0: please pray with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you came to come into our midst and reveal what our hearts have longed for, the true home that we were made to enjoy with you, that you have uh, worked to pull us back into, to gather us back into this beautiful relationship with you and the Father in your holy and wonderful and glorious and joy-filled kingdom. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself to each of us this morning in a powerful way, in a way of love that um, woos us back into a heart-to-heart relationship with you and enjoying even now the blessings of that kingdom And the goodness of that kingdom which will come in fullness later. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we are um, now in the season of Epiphany, which is that first season in the uh, church calendar right after Nativity when we celebrate Christmas the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it started last night, um, January 6th. Every January 6th of every year you've got the celebration of the Magi coming at the revelation of God that came about starting with a star in Bethlehem. And they pursue that because they're people who are seekers. They're true seekers. They're, they're people of wisdom. And they understood enough about the prophecies that they knew that um, the Messiah would come from the Jews. In fact, um, there's some recent research that indicates that they, uh, this particular uh, band of wise men probably were very much connected to um, uh, the Israelites through marriage in the house of Herod. And so there's some historical reasons for why, um, as a matter of fact, they were looking for that king who would come and would probably expect it to be in Herod's household, maybe even Herod's son, but that's not what God showed them. And they paid attention to what God was showing them. They paid attention to it. They looked to what God had revealed to them, and they realized who he really was in a profound way. These wise men, perhaps authorities from other cultures, actually bent the knee before him as uh, so many of the pictures show us. And they become a picture for us of what the opportunity is for us. We are looking at this in Sunday school. Eventually, every knee is going to bow and every tongue will ultimately confess the truth of who Jesus really is, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that Prince on whose shoulders a government of peace, not of wickedness and of evil, rests. A government of peace. And we will either come into the peace or we won't. It's a really, you know, kind of a either-or decision. It really comes down to that in the long run. He's very patient, of course, right, so that none would perish. He's very patient because he loves us. His mercy is vast, and uh, he gives us every opportunity to come to the open arms of his invitation. I think that um, all of us, in the depth of our heart, because this is how we're made, we really want to come into his arms, the open invitation. We want to receive that, but a lot of things get in the way. And John the Baptist is a great person to help us understand how we can come A lot closer to Jesus. Our whole sermon series this year, we're doing a a year-long, I guess you could say, sermon series, and it's all about a heart-to-heart relationship with Jesus. Having the intimate, close relationship that John, the one who wrote our gospel this morning, who is that one who leaned his head into the Lord's breast at the Last Supper, who describes Jesus as leaning into the heart of the Father in heaven to disclose the Father. And John discloses Jesus to us. and We're called to have that same kind of intimate relationship, but a lot of things get in the way. A lot of John's gospel is, in a sense, showing how we can come into that intimate relationship. It's the truth of who Jesus really is, who he's been revealed to be, who he's been manifested to be. So this morning, though, we're looking at John the Baptist, different John. Uh, John the Baptist is kind of an aggressive guy, um, pretty radical guy. He has spent a lot of time in the desert, and uh, that meant he was fasting a good bit, although it says that uh, he wore a hair shirt in some of the other gospels and he eats locusts and honey. I remember um, teaching some young college students who were really intensely getting into their faith and I was describing the discipline of fasting and how sometimes you need to say no in order to say yes and John is one of these people who does this. He says a profound no in order to say a really wonderful yes. And, um, and, and I just jokingly said, you know, now there, there are resources online you can actually get Um, locusts and honey and you can order that and I was just joking and these earnest college students came up and said hey could you give me the website for that and then the next next week one of them comes up to me just she's completely bleary-eyed she'd been doing a complete fast the entire week and I'm like oh no I've I've not helped her (laughs) <laughs> very much. Uh, and, and so what I want to convey right away is John's very intense. And there's a intense no that John teaches us how to say and how to live out. But it, it's for the sake of revelation. It's for the sake of coming into this incredible gift of a kingdom which he describes as descending like a dove, like that image of peace, but, but remaining on Jesus. And what John the Baptist does, he says, he says to us, look, which is really our first step. If we want to come up into this intimate relationship, we need to look, we need to see Jesus. In fact, the ministry of John the Baptist, in a sense, continues in a lot of traditional churches because right before you come into the, the, the sanctuary where the altar is, where the communion is prepared to then, by which we really enjoy an intimate connection with Jesus, Right before in a traditional church you come into that space, on one side you have John the Baptist in an icon and on the other side you have Mary in an icon. We've talked about Mary a little bit and how her way is is basically giving way, if you will. She says, let it be. And because she says, let it be, the kingdom comes within humanity starting with her very flesh and God becomes flesh in her because she says, let it be. And so this this, she's, she's teaching us how to supplicate the Lord. In fact, that's the name of these two icons. It's, they call the deuses, I think deus, I can't remember how to pronounce it exactly, but it means supplication. It's like, how do we come into that relationship with the Lord? And Mary teaches us one way of doing that. Let it be. But John also, John the Baptist teaches us something about it. And, um, Part of what he's saying is, no, not this, but then he's very clearly saying this, look, behold. That is a huge, huge word in the Gospel of John, behold, look. He uses a number of different verbs in the Greek to convey that, but what he wants us to see, he wants us to begin to see just the the story that I'm telling you right now. I'm giving you some bare facts, if you will, of what he wants us to see, but eventually that understanding of how we see, it becomes very, very powerful and very intimate. In fact, when he writes his letter later on, he talks about, you know, seeing and hearing and touching and handling the word of God, which is Jesus, but the word that he uses there, and we've contemplated him. We've relished him, and we know him, therefore, because we've really spent time with him. So we have, in a sense, the beginning of this call to look to Jesus with John the Baptist. Well, the reason I think he can so powerfully tell us to look is because he knows how to clear the eyes a little bit so we can see. Um, John the Baptist comes baptizing for the forgiveness of sins so that we can see. And he becomes that first one who sees and then begins to point out to us. He's the one who says, Repent, turn around. Stop investing in this other way of being and invest instead of this way of being. So stop, turn around, repent. Turn around is, just our tr- is really what repentance means. And so he can say, don't look here, but look here. Don't pay attention so much of this stuff, but pay attention to Jesus. A lot of... Um, The disciples um, at that time didn't fully understand who Jesus was and John the Baptist has um, the first glimpse of who he is as he is the one on whom the Spirit descends and remains and he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and John confesses him as the Son of God. So much more is happening that he begins to realize because of his ministry of preparation, He has created a way for people to begin to see and appreciate who Jesus really is. And everything begins to change because he sees Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Right in there, by the way, we have a little bit of an expression of what's happening when Jesus does his work. His work, ultimately, as the Lamb of God, is to die on the cross for us. It's a picture of the Paschal Lamb. It's a picture of the Passover Lamb and that he is the true Passover Lamb is how we put it in our liturgies and how we put it in the scriptures. He's that true Lamb of God. The uh, Israelites would mark their door with the blood of that Lamb, the innocent lambs that are led to the slaughter in the temple courts by the priests and the, uh, the Levites and then they are marking the doorposts of their house in order to celebrate their deliverance from Egypt, all the other ways of being that Egypt represents. They were remembering their deliverance from Egypt historically, but they were also renewing the fact that we, by the blood of the Lamb, need to be delivered from all these other things that are blocking our vision of the true kingdom. We need to have our eyes cleansed in order to pass from that which is really destroying us into that which gives life. And so the, the blood of the Lamb delivers Israel. And it's the blood of Jesus that delivers us from and into the kingdom of God. I've been thinking a lot about what, what is going on with the church? I, I, I see that there's some... There's some, um, there's some uh, statistical surveys out there that are really valid that are indicating that a lot of our generation that is living on this planet right now considers being part of church and being really committed church, to church, for instance, as a 50% rate of attendance. I'm in. I'm all the way in. And I come half the time. Now, I'm not saying this to shame any of you if that is, has been your pattern. But I am saying, like, what is it that has kept us from experiencing God here in a way that is so revelatory that we want to be here? How come we're not seeing what is supposed to be revealed here when we gather in his name? And he says, I'm in the midst of you, and I'm the Holy One of Israel, and I'm the one who will save you from all the things that are depressing you and afflicting you and leaving you empty and lost or whatever it may be. And yet, we're coming 50% of the time. And, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I, you know I, Sometimes I feel like if I weren't having to be here, honestly, sometimes my feelings would be like, yeah, maybe 50% of the time. <laughs> and so what is really going on that we're not properly seeing and appreciating the realities of what's happening here, what we, we preach and say that we believe is happening here, that the kingdom of God really is here. That's what John the Baptist is saying, is "The kingdom of God is here, so repent of the other kingdoms. The kingdom of God is here now, so repent of the other kingdoms. That's what John is saying. Stop looking to the other authorities of the ways of life and look to Jesus. And the only way you can do that, by the way, the only way you can come into that, the only ticket of citizenship into that kingdom is through the blood of Jesus, by the way, because you can't earn your citizenship. You can't just learn a few things about this and practice the constitution of the kingdom of God and get it right as if it's a technical test and then become part of the kingdom. It is a sacrifice of innocence that lets you come into the kingdom and see and behold the truth that has been revealed in Jesus that redeems us, that opens up our heart to what's real, that opens up the eyes of our heart to appreciate what's real in this kingdom, reality. And John, John sees one who who is saying, here's how you renew yourself in this. Um, Jesus continues to baptize, his disciples anyway, continue to baptize. He continues to say, repent, the kingdom of God is here. Um. We have the option now, of course, of being not just baptized into forgiveness, but baptized into the Holy Spirit. The forgiveness is a way of clearing the eye. A lot of times I am... I'm having conversations with people and they're, they're, they're using different expressions, but they're saying, I don't feel the connection with God right now. I, I remember maybe when I was a kid, at some point I felt something of his presence and he seemed real to me and I had a sense of the divine and of God and it seemed real and it powerful and now I don't have it. And inevitably, what I find out after some conversation is something that a lot of pastors is, have, have written about in the last few years is that, They've, they've really begun to live according to the laws of a different kingdom. And they've really begun to believe the lies of a different culture. And so what's happened is their vision starts to get occluded. Um, or maybe um, part of what's happening sometimes is that they're not just their own sin and practicing the ways of another kingdom, but also they just get really mad and really bitter at somebody who sinned against them. And that also. It's kind of like the board in the eye. You know, you're judging and you're so mad and you want to condemn and you want to make them pay in kind for what they've done for you that you can't receive forgiveness. That's how Jesus puts it, you know. If you can't enter into a way of forgiving, you can't really fully receive forgiveness. If you don't really receive forgiveness, you can't be a forgiving person. There's this interesting chicken and egg, you know, relationship dynamic. You have to receive in order to give fully, and you do in order to maintain this way of being, need to live out that grace. So things get in the way of the eyes, right? I want to just talk a little bit about my experience. I remember it was about when I was really coming back to the Lord. I had wandered from. I had been a philosophy major in undergrad, and um, it was confusing. I was even going to a Christian institution, Wheaton College, but honestly, they they took apart my faith. They knew how to deconstruct my faith. But they did not have very good help for reconstructing my faith. And uh, it was a very despairing place to be. And um, at a certain point, I had an experience of God that started to bring me back to the Lord. And I've told that story many times. I'm not gonna go into it a whole lot. But my ability to really appreciate the invisible and powerful reality of the kingdom of God was pretty compromised. Uh, In my case, it was... I felt like I, I had to go get an MBA and be really successful in the world, and I was even being coached to say, be really success, success, successful in the world, and then you'll be able to, to be a really good witness about the kingdom. Now, that, that's kind of really confused thinking. I hope that me just saying that right now will make you think, that's bizarre. You wanna win somebody to the kingdom on the basis of rules not of that kingdom? There's an expression, what you win people with, you win them too, you know. And I really think that what's happened with the church a lot is we've tried to live out, and maybe this is why we only want to come 50% of the time. We try to live out a way of being that is of the world. We lose vision then. We don't see Jesus then, and we don't manifest him. We can't point to him and say, look, behold, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, because we're occupying ourselves and occluding our vision with different ways of being. And the picture I had at this time when the Lord was bringing me to conviction about this was I, had, I was trying to see Jesus, and I was driving my car. I was in the middle of, oh, actually, I was finishing up my MBA at University of Chicago and heading to work and thinking about my career. And also, you know, still, I'm going to be a really good witness to God and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, I saw, I was still able to see the road because I was driving. But... It was almost like on the windshield, like a little bit of a screen, uh, some, the images of these like idols that were blocking my vision of Jesus. I wanted to be with him, and I kept on thinking, here, let me give all this stuff to you, and that's how I'll be, but I couldn't personally connect with him. And, and I realized I needed to just get all of that stuff out of the way. All of that stuff. I was the kingdom ruler. Even claiming to be serving God, I was the kingdom ruler. I was arranging what I thought was the way to live according to my own wisdom and rule. And the Lord was saying, repent. Get all that stuff out of the way. It's blocking your vision of me. And then I I was like, okay, Lord, I repent. I'm gonna turn away from that practice. I'm gonna stop. Enough, no more. And then I saw all of the same stuff, by the way, on the other side of Jesus with his light shining through it. But I had an uninterrupted view of him. I was able then to draw near to him. See how I've been setting this up is that you see him, you have to see him first, and then you draw near to him. And so that began for me a renewal of my faith that I had to get all this stuff out of the way. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things that John would say to his generation. The Pharisees and Sadducees, the rulers of the day, you know, the isms of that day, they come to him and say, are, are you the one to come? He says, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm the one who's preparing the way for the one who is the Messiah. And, um, you know, these are the same people that would later oppose the kingdom. They're operating according to a different kingdom rule. I think for us, it's, I I don't know, I I, I, um, I think there's so many isms right now. I mean, there's the isms of sexuality, there's the isms of uh, the politics of identity, there's the isms of republicanism, of democratic, there's the isms of Disney, there's the isms isms of the the romantic lies, there's the isms of Marxism and capitalism. I don't care what ism. If we think that we can make the kingdom, even the kingdom of God, through our efforts and our arrangements and our wisdom, then we're operating in an ism that John would say, that's got to decrease, I've got to decrease, Jesus has to increase is how he puts it in the other gospels. He wants us to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and sets us free in a freedom of being able to do these things in the light. That was the transition from the, all the idols blocking that I thought I was doing the right thing to him taking all those things out of my relationship with him and filling them with light. You, are you tracking me with a difference? Does that make sense? When John and ultimately all of us as disciples clear away the idols and we can see him, that revelation begins to happen. And what what begins to be offered to us is a way of being that is is so beautiful and so full of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the first revelation of Jesus that he wants to explain to us is that he's the one on whom the Spirit descends and remains. There's a permanency to that. I'm not going to talk about this, this this morning, but when we enter into the kingdom, there is a gift Of abiding and a gift of being at home, a gift of remaining, because Jesus is the human in whom, first of all, the Spirit descended and remained. He is the God-man, but he is also the human on whom the Holy Spirit of God descended and remained. He wasn't a prophet who got an inspiration and then occasionally it went away. He was the one on whom it descended and remained, and then he pours out that Spirit so that it can come into us and that we can remain in him. There's a gift of a kingdom way of being that doesn't have to go back and forth. It doesn't have to go up and down. Yes, there'll be trials, but there's a way of being that Jesus is bringing that is so steady and so beautiful. It can actually weather storms. It is a rock on which you can stand. I want to share just a little bit of a a story that I read yesterday about somebody who... um, made this transition herself. This is, um, I'm not gonna read it, but I wanted to be remember what her name is. This is in the back of Christiane Today. Her name is Mary Poplin, and um, her particular background was that she was spiritual. She was getting into a lot of new age stuff. She's a very uh, progressive, radical feminist in her day, and took great pride in, she's a great scholar um, at Claremont, which is a pretty um, big deal school out in, um, in, in California. And she saw herself, she puts it this way, as as a Shirley MacLaine dancing in freedom and in her goodness, you know. And so she would buy the crystals and she would go to all the different spirituality uh, things. and, and, And then the Lord appeared to her in a dream and realized that as she was in this long line When she came up to Jesus, who was the the main person of the receiving line, she realized all of a sudden who he really was and that she herself was just filled with, the way she puts it is filth. She actually felt that way. It felt like filth to her. She knew that what the Lord was convicting her of and things like, yeah, she had a sex addiction. There was a lot of things going on in her life. And um, all of a sudden she realizes who she is and in that place she begins to repent she begins to turn away from her own self rule so that Jesus could increase one of the moments of real healing for her was when she, uh, she calls it the bar of soap passage from 1st John if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins he'll purify us from all the unrighteousness, all the ways in which we've been afflicted that have gotten in the way of us appreciating the wonder of who God really is in his kingdom. If we confess our sins, part of what John is saying is if we confess our sins, then we can see. If we confess our sins, then we can come into the wonder of knowing God and his kingdom. Then this place becomes a kingdom of God place. Not just a meeting not just a place where maybe you get a decent TED talk. Boy, if I could only do that. But a place of encounter with the living God. I mean, that's, that's what John is talking about. He's talking about an encounter with the living God, the Holy One of Israel. And we're not worthy of being related to him until we're covered in grace and covered in the blood that washes away all the things that make that very dangerous otherwise and it's by that blood by the way that we can come in that we can go from egypt into the promised land that we can go from the place of absence to the place of presence from the place of darkness to the place of light it's through the blood and it's by the blood by the way that we conquer it's the lamb of god before whom all the the authorities bow in the end it's the lamb of god It's the Lamb of God from whom the living waters of the Holy Spirit flow to enliven us and make us realize that this is a place of the kingdom of God. This is not just a meeting place where we learn some interesting informational stuff. It's the Lamb of God who is the light that lights up the heavens, that lights up the heaven where Jesus is preparing a place for all of us. And he wants to light our hearts and enlighten our eyes right now. You have something. I want to. I want to pray. But do you want to speak first? If um, Becca's got a word for us, I think. I think you're going to have to go up to the. The lectern.
1: I'm seeing a picture and I'm getting a sense of something as just exactly with what, our, our, um, f- what Father Eric is, is speaking about. Um, and I think maybe what I want to express is that sometimes the thing that is the idol in our life that we're gripping and worshiping is something, part of what is deceptive about it, why we don't realize it, is it seems like it's something very good it may not be an obvious thing like a sex addiction or drugs or a, a, a political view or something. Though that that may apply to some of you here. I'm not I'm not diminishing that, but I'm getting a sense of something, um, and and it's quite specific. And I'll be a little bit graphic with it, but. Um, there, there are things that we have been worshiping, some of us, that appear very good. They seem like a right thing. They seem like this is supposed to be a godly thing, but it's actually something, it's a false view of that thing. And there's something more important than that thing that you're worshiping. And it might even be a marriage you may be worshiping a marriage above Jesus Christ and your relationship with him. Mm. Mm. Not that marriage is bad or wrong, but you may have put a marriage and a relationship ahead of your own relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. The other thing I'm seeing, and this is a picture, I see... I see a grasping at something, a squeezing, it's almost like it's a vegetable, it's a turnip. You know that phrase of squeezing blood out of a turnip? An idol is like that but sometimes you don't see it as a turnip. It looks sparkly, it looks wonderful, it looks dazzling, it looks like it's the greatest thing, it's what you want, but actually it's a turnip. And what I see is somebody is squeezing that turnip like this and desperately trying to get blood out of that turnip. Life, and you're licking that turnip and you're trying to get every drop out of it and it's not giving you life you may get a drop of moisture and you get all excited and you think this is it, and it turns into nothing. And that's because what you're looking at is actually a turnip. You think that it's a bright, golden, complex, beautiful system, but it's actually a turnip. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not gonna give you anything. And that's what Jesus wants this morning is to open your eyes to see that it's a turnip. Mm. (laughs) And he's so much better. And what he has to give you is the real thing. But it's with him. It's turning to him. It's a person. It's not a system. It's not a way of thinking. It's not another person. Even if it is your spouse, it is not another person. It is not a system. It's not a religion. It's not a practice of something, it's a person of Jesus Christ who is the only thing in the entire universe that will satisfy the hunger of your heart. Mm -hmm. There is no one else, there is no thing else in this universe that will satisfy the craving and the hunger of your heart. Mm -hmm. And that's what Father Eric has been saying this morning. That is the message. But I know that there's something personal. It's for me. It's for you. We all have things that we're trying to get that are not going to give us what we want.
0: Thank you, Becca. Um, that, okay, so that, I think, opens up the door for me to say that one of the idols in front of Jesus was sort of an image of my dear, beloved wife, Jeannie. It was what I was looking to her to give to me that only could be given by God. And I couldn't properly even love her in our marriage until I had gotten the order right. She will bear witness to that. I want to change things up a little bit. I'm going to pray right now. We're not going to do prayers of the people. We're going to go from this prayer right to our confession. And then after that, we'll do the creed. Heavenly Father, I just give you thanks that you sent John the Baptist to teach us how to see and to be uh, in relationship to you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have been working here to help us and your spirit has been working here to help us return to you or to come to you perhaps for the first time, but you're giving us a way to turn to you now from those other ways of being and living that have kept us from a clear sight and a clear, strong connection with you that gives life. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that um, in your mercy that your spirit would touch each and every one of us in just the right way as we come to our confession. I pray, Lord Jesus, that um, you would, in your beautiful, compassionate ways, that long to have us come to you. You Just put your finger right on those things that um, maybe Becca's word or the sermon has stirred up And we'll begin to just lay aside those things so that we can see you and come to you today enter your communion with full and open hearts and receive all the goodness you have for us. I give you thanks, Lord Jesus, as we come to you now to make our confession. If you are able, um, you may kneel now and let us... Confess our sins against against God and our neighbor. that we may delight in, in, your, will, in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy upon you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Let's do the